Hey everybody, welcome, welcome. I want to get you and get you comfortable to the TF1 podcast. This is your humble and gracious host, Trey. And from wherever you're listening, um, I appreciate you being here. This is episode nine. We are going to be doing this is the midseason review combined with the rained out and historic Belgian GP from Spa. So if you guys remember on the previous episode, I was actually going to do a midseason review and then I was going to do my usual GP review, the Belgian GP review. But uh, we had a historic rained out weekend um, at Spa. So I decided it's best uh, to combine the two into one podcast. So let's jump right in. So starting with the midseason review, um, you know, we've had one of the most exciting F1 seasons we've had in a long time. Um, You see... You know, there's a couple of things that have made this season so exciting for a lot of us. Well, whoever your team you support is, this has been, um, we see really great rivalry between two great drivers and between two great teams. Uh, We have some people that are outperforming other drivers that we didn't expect. So let's let's jump right in and look at the midseason review. So I'm going to start off with... You know, one of the biggest factors uh, that this season has been fantastic, and that's the Hamilton uh, versus Verstappen rivalry. So you have to look at, you know, the progress that Red Bull has made this season, the way the vehicle is operating under Verstappen. Um, Red Bull over the years have, you know, not really had a challenger, um, a, a meaning a vehicle that can really challenge right out of the gate from the beginning of the season to go against Mercedes, you know? So for those of you guys who watch, you know, usually the pattern is Red Bull have certain tracks. Usually they're good at throughout the year. So for example, the low downforce tracks like the Singapore GP, um, usually at the end of the year, their, their cars really suited uh, to the, you know, uh, Dubai circuit, which is usually um, held at the end of the year. So there's just certain tracks. And if there is an issue with, say, the Mercedes at front, usually Verstappen can pick up points. But that was the usual pattern that they had in the past. And what happens is their cars usually out of the box slower. And then as the season goes along, especially the second half of the season, you start to see that they build strength. This year has been very different. You know, right out of the gate, Honda has made a, um, excuse me, very strong engine. Uh, That car is not just suited to one track, I'm referring to the Red Bull uh, vehicle. It's suited to all kinds of different tracks. So although Mercedes, you know, the seven-time world champions and Hamilton, although they've had some dominant cars over the years, you know, very dominant cars, I should say, they really hadn't been tested like they have this year by Verstappen and Red Bull. The only time that has happened is there were two years with the Ferrari vehicle where, you know, that Ferrari car and Sebastian Vettel that was, you know, four or five years ago, um, you know, that was kind of a tough task for Mercedes, but 
what happened in those seasons was, you know, in the second half of the season, even though the first half was tough, Mercedes went to another gear. And then, you know, the race wasn't even close. The constructors and the drivers' championship was close. So that was the previous pattern. But this season, we've seen a very exciting, you know, battle between Hamilton and Verstappen. And you can see how the pendulum has gone back and forth. Uh, you can see where Max Verstappen has gotten into two different accidents. You know, one that he had no control over where he was wiped out by Botas. So it has really gripped us. And it's not just a fight between these two great drivers. You know, Hamilton being part of the old guard. You know, he's, you know, the all-time world champion, you know, driver that is now raced for a long time and then you kind of have the young protege you know the the young up-and-coming you know talent that people have said you know this kid or this guy this driver is going to be a future world champion if he gets the car you know it's kind of the battle of the the old guard versus the new f1 young crop going against each other so that has been, you know, kind of very interesting to watch over the season. So we're going to have to see how this plays out after the summer break. Obviously, right now we, you know, we wanted to see Spa, the, just the, the weekend that ended. We were going to see how the battle was going to resume between these two guys. But of course, you know, this rained out historic weekend. We weren't able to see it. And I'll, I'll get to that a little bit later. So... I would say that's one of the first major points of the mid-season review that we see. The other important part of the mid-season review is Botas being in the hot seat. You know that in that Mercedes uh, vehicle, there has been heavy speculation. I covered, um, you know, the Mercedes second seat in my previous podcast in great detail. So we don't need to get into it too in-depth. We just know that part of the mid-season Review is going to include that's one of the biggest news items and speculations that all of us are very curious to see who's going to partner Hamilton. You know, who's going to be in arguably the most coveted, the most wanted seat next to seven time world champion Lewis Hamilton. And, you know, I have told you guys in the previous episode what my thought process is. I think that it is a foregone conclusion that Russell will get the seat. Now, between the last episode of me making that podcast, you know, we thought as F1 fans, we would get some news over the summer break. So the update, you know, that we know at this point is that Total Wolf, the Mercedes AMG boss, has now said and admitted. And by the way, this is (laughs) for the first time that a decision has been made and I you know I'll repeat this for you guys so per total wolf this is the first admission that we have coming from Mercedes that a decision has been made now he didn't say what the decision was of course that's what we're all especially you know fans of of respective teams we're biting our nails because you know this is news that we've been waiting for for what seems like almost six, seven months, but so decision has been made. They have not, like I said, said what that decision is. 
from what I gather, the major speculation is that it is going to be Russell that is going to be confirmed in that second seat. What they're waiting on, from my understanding, is they want to sort out Botas's future uh, before they go ahead and make that announcement. So whether he's going to Alfa Romeo, uh, uh, which I think is going to be maybe the destination for him, Alfa Romeo, uh, Romeo, excuse me. Um, and some people have speculated Williams as well. So it's going to be, I think, one of the two. But what they're waiting on, uh, from my understanding, is they want to go ahead and get confirmation of Botas's second seat and make sure that they secure him a place on the F1 grid next year before they go ahead and make that announcement. So, you know, that is something that we've all been watching. So we'll wait and see when the official news regarding that comes out. Okay. Um, the third item in the mid-season review that I think has been pretty prominent is how Norris has been outperforming Ricardo at McLaren. You know, when Ricardo was coming to the team during the summer break, there was very high anticipation. Ricardo is a high caliber driver. So most of us thought, wow, you know, Norris is going to have to raise his game because here's Ricardo. He's a race winner. He's coming to this team. But I don't think, I think most of us are aware that, you know, Lando Norris is a very promising talent. I don't know. And, you know, I mean, I can only speak for myself. I don't think anybody could have predicted on how much he raised his game this season because the level of performance we're seeing from Lando Norris weekend in and weekend out, you know, uh, getting points every single race, um, some of the qualifying that he's done. I mean, he's above in points higher than um, Botas in a, in a Mercedes. He's higher than... Checo in the other Red Bull seat. I mean, you know, he's outperforming guys that that have better cars than he does, even though that McLaren Mercedes vehicle is a very strong contender. He he has really raised his game. So he's a guy that, you know, is is a very interesting watch. I think the level of consistency he's showing is really giving Ricardo very hard time now Ricardo on the other hand you know if you look at his performance he has really really struggled to get on top of driving this McLaren Mercedes vehicle you know all cars are different as far as the different manufacturers so when you switch teams you know there's different things to consider you know um Ricardo has never driven a car that has a Mercedes engine. That makes a huge difference. You know, he comes from a background of having Renault originally at Red Bull. Uh, then they switched to Honda. So, you know, that's an adjustment. The way the brakes are, you know, there's different elements of the car that all the different drivers who change teams, like, so for example, Sainz coming from McLaren going to Red Bull, I mean, excuse me, going to Ferrari. There's adjustments that you have to make. These cars are, you know, they have different, uh, they have different levels of performance and, you know, you have to adapt to the different elements and Ricardo's had a hard time, but 
So that's one of the things at the midseason level that I think most of us are very surprised by. Now, I do think looking at the last race, not just Spa, but the Hungarian GP, um, you can maybe see that 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 ship is turning around, that tide is turning around. And I think Ricardo's is now finally kind of, you know, it's taken much longer than it should, but I think he's finally getting on top of the car, on top of how to how to manage and just drive it naturally because, you know, he's described that he's overthinking it and everything is not natural right now just because he's had to adapt different driving styles uh, that were very, very different from his previous car. So we're going to have to watch that, but it looks like he's slowly, um, you know, turning the tide around. So that's one to watch but Norris I have to say has been um, he's just been he has been the surprise of the season without any doubt I mean I don't know any other way to put it I don't want to add too many superlatives because uh, you know you don't want to hype it up more bigger than it is but it's just you cannot say anything else other than to say Lando Norris has has been just extremely impressive this year so that is one that we have to kind of look out for the other point that i wanted to add with the mid-season review is you know look at what reynold did um the resurgence of reynold and the resurgence of ocon so if you look at reynold coming into the season um their ceo of many years albitable um there's an announcement. I mean, very unexpected, very um, just out of nowhere that he was effectively resigning. You know, this happened before the season started and you're just scratching your head thinking, I mean, where did that come from? Like he was with, you know, uh, the head of the rental program for quite Cyril uh, was his first name. For quite a, f- a few years, he was talking about plans for 2022, and I mean, excuse me, for 2021 and then 2022 and beyond. And next thing you know, you see that replacement. So that was the backdrop for Reynold. There was a lot of uncertainty. And then you added Alonzo to the team, who's been out of F1 for a couple of years. He's partnered with Ocon. So, you know, this team wasn't necessarily very stable you know, coming into the 2021 season. So you kind of didn't know what to expect. Uh, so to see, you know, Alonzo, it, it took just a few races, but he's racy. He's back to his old self. It, it looks like he's learned a lot as far as, you know, Alonzo is a very difficult driver when it comes to team relations and getting what he wants. And so yeah, just to kind of set the table. So that was kind of the background for Reynolds coming. Well, they're Alpine now, so let me correct myself. They used to be Reynolds, but under the name and the branding of Alpine now, there's a lot of uncertainty. But if you look at the joyous occasion of Ocon actually getting a win in the Hungarian GP, you know, you, you have to give it to Alpine, you know, like I said, with the resurgency, you didn't know how the partnership with Alonzo and Akon was going to work. And for them to kind of overcome that, it looks like their car is a decent car, not necessarily for all tracks, 
but it's a decent car. But for them to actually, yes, it was bizarre circumstances. Let's not forget that, you know, Botas wiped out, you know, at least four different drivers. So we understand that. But even in those bizarre circumstances where it's not a normal weekend, as a driver and as a team, I mean, you're not automatically awarded points, except if it's spa (laughs) and we'll come to that. But you're not automatically awarded points. You have to work hard for them. And and that's what the Alpine team did. And that's what Alcon did. And he scored, you know, he scored a win. Um, he got the team a lot of points. So you have to give them kudos for that. And that was a resurgent part of the midseason review. So the second half, you know, of the season, we're just going to have to wait and see because they're going to have tremendous competition. You know, that mid that mid pack in F1 this year. So the the battle is very heavy. So if you go below McLaren Mercedes who is depending on the track and the day, they're vying to be third fastest with Ferrari who's been improving steadily. But when you start going down, you know, with Austin Martin, with Alpine and you know, you you have Gasly in that AlphaTauri um, there's, there's heavy competition. So, you know, you got to give those, that team, the Alpine team, um, credit. And so, you know, I would say that kind of concludes the mid season review portion of this podcast. So now let's jump in, let's jump into the review of the Belgian GP, the spa GP, um, boy guys, what, what a historic, uh, crazy, race Sunday was. But before we even jump into Sunday, you you know, we have to acknowledge the quality, the qualification on Saturday, you know, that that took place. And so when you had quality, you know, this was kind of a rained out weekend in spa. You have Verstappen who comes in first. You have Russell in a Williams. Yes, this is not a typo. This is not a mistake. Russell in a Williams securing second position and then Hamilton securing third for Quali on Saturday for Mercedes AMG. Um, what an amazing, amazing performance from Russell in that Williams. I mean, I have read uh, and heard from F1 um, journalists that without any hyperbole, without any exaggeration, that may have been one of the best qualifying performances, single performances they've seen from a driver. If you look at how you can out-qualify in a Williams, how you can out-qualify all the cars that Russell did, including the mighty Mercedes of Hamilton, um, that's incredible. But, but we also have to add in, you know, because I'm, I'm kind of setting the table up for us to talk about Sunday's race that did not happen, unfortunately. But, you know, Lando Norris, who was in route to possibly getting a very, very good lap. I mean, um, his timing could have been, you know, he could have earned him a, a spot in the top three for quality. He has a nasty crash. He has a bad crash. And I'm, I'm glad he was okay. But um, the conditions were, were very tricky. The conditions were very treacherous. The conditions were very wet. 
So you had Lando crashing out. And so that sets up your top three qualifiers. Um, like I said, giving a lot of credit to Russell uh, doing the job that he did. Now that sets up the race for Sunday. So Sunday, like most of us, you know, we're looking forward to the race, but, you know, watching the pre-race, you're seeing this heavy rain and you're starting to wonder like, okay, are we, are, are we going to get some kind of break with this rain where it's very consistent and pouring down very heavy right now? But is there going to be a moment, whether it's an hour, whether it's 45 minutes, is there going to be a stop to this rain? Because it was raining hard. So you have the cars for safety reasons start under the safety car. And by that point, once that was happening, you know, most of the drivers pretty much up and down the grid with the exception of Verstappen. Now, remember, Verstappen is at at the, the first. He's he's at the top of the grid. So when you excuse me, when you have a very rainy day like this. So the first top driver, he's not getting spray from the other vehicles, you know, uh, that are behind him. So even though he has a clear vision, all the rest of the guys where you have the spray coming from those big F1 tires from the car in front of you. So it becomes visually very hard to drive these cars. Think about the speeds. Think about the the way that the, the track in Spa is set up, you know, driving Spa in the, in, in the dry with the sun out is, <laughs> is not easy. These guys drive it flat out. So imagine how that's going to be when you mix in a lot of standing water, when you mix in, you know, aqua planning, when you mix in, you can't really visually see right in front of you from the spray. Those are a lot of difficult, difficult things that can put a driver in danger, right? So the race directors, Michael Massey and his crew, his team now have to start making decisions on the fly. So because most of the guys, uh, the drivers were radioing in saying that visibility was pretty bad, um, what needs to happen is they go ahead and call for the cars to come into the pit lane. All right. So the race can't continue. You know, the 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 weather is just too treacherous for that to happen. And I think that's the right call. You know, I mean, as fans, of course, you hate to not see a race. Most of us have been waiting for this after the long summer break. And, you know, even a lot of the drivers, in fact, every driver, you know, they're they're race car drivers. They're race car drivers for a reason. You know, they wanted to race, but the conditions and we saw in the previous day earlier on Saturday, as I mentioned with Lando Norris's crash, um, they were just dangerous. So you have the cars lined up and what we had for the next hour, for the next two hours and three hours is, you know, we're waiting for updates and what the FIA is doing in that, in that during the time period is, they're looking at their radars and seeing, okay, is there a break that we're going to get with this weather where we can get the cars out again? All right. So we kind of, I mean, it's, this is not the first time we've had a rained out F1 race. They're, they're far and few between, but we've had some races that have been delayed. What made this a very unique and historic Belgian GP that has never happened before is 
you know, we kept on waiting and this rain would not let up. It would not give a break. So for those fans that were watching, you saw that there was going to be a weather update and a time would be announced. Okay, so let's say we wait about 45 minutes. When that time came, the weather update from the FIA would, would tell us, hey, okay, we still can't race. There's too much standing water. There's going to be another update, weather update, and they'll give us a time. So that happened at least three different times that I can remember. The FIA gave different weather updates, whether the cars were going out or not. And they they could not get a break in the weather to go ahead and car to get the cars out. Now, as we're mentioning that in the track, you I really have to give such a big shout out to the great, great fans that were at Spa. And you're talking about these fans have been there all weekend, through Friday, through Saturday, through Sunday. It was cold. It was rainy, but that spot track, the fans, it was packed. And, you know, you have to be dedicated to be in that soggy weather, absorbing the rain. And like I said, the, the temperatures, you know, spa is kind of located, you know, spa, if you're aware of this track, it's a very unique historic track that most most anybody, including the drivers, it's almost their favorite track. No, I'm not going to say it's almost their favorite track. It is their favorite track for most of them. It's got a very historic and unique design. The the way that it has undulations and, you know, it's got like a gradient going up and then going down. And with these sophisticated F1 cars, to see them go the speed that they do doing the corners that they do it's just it's just a magical thing so i say that to say spa kind of almost has its own microclimate you know it's located in the mountains it gets pretty cold it gets its own rain it's it's a it's a very unique environment so you just have to you know shout out these brave fans that are you know wanting to see a great race they haven't let the elements, the weather stop them. So they're patiently waiting. Uh, they're lighting up their flares. You know, I mean, you know, they're dedicated and big shout out to them. So as the fans are waiting, most of us in the comfort of our warm home, we're waiting also. And another uh, weather update comes and the cars are still not out. Now, it's important to keep in mind they they look at the regulations and they actually pause the clock. Okay, they stop the clock. And that's important because usually a race has to be finished in three in a three-hour increment. I think the local time that it had to finish in spa was 6 p.m. So 6 p.m. local their time, um, the race had to end. But what the FIA did is because it's in the sporting regulations. And in the sporting code, they went ahead and paused the time so that if there was a window, the cars would race. And of course, you know, it wouldn't be a full race because you had to you had less time now left. Um, They kept on checking that they paused the clock and we still didn't see any racing. So long story short, now you saw on. you saw on TV and on ITV a couple of things. 
by the way, I want to shout out the Mercedes AMG, the drivers that were doing the safety car, that beautiful red AMG GT, and then the medical car that was doing, you know, the safety rounds and going through the rain. Shout out to both drivers, by the way, especially the medical driver, uh, the, uh, the, the medical car driver. That AMG vehicle, if you look at the speeds, that car and those drivers were doing in that rain the speeds were incredible those guys for for those cars not being f1 cars the way they were lapping i, I think most of us probably don't pay attention to that or it's kind of hard to see because we're used to watching the f1 cars go but if you imagine they're driving vehicles on the track that are not F1 cars and the speed that they were driving, especially that medical car, big shout out to him. That was amazing. But so we saw on the camera the adjustment by Bernard in that AMG GT beautiful red car. When he started making adjustments, getting his helmet, now sitting at home, you kind of were saying to yourself, okay, uh oh, here we go. Here we go. We got action now. We've been waiting. Some of us sipping our coffee, our tea, whatever you had in front. We've been waiting hour one, hour two, hour three, just in disappointment. And now all of a sudden you saw him make a movement. You're like, okay, we got action now. Is this going to be the race? But so what happened was now you started seeing a bevy of activity. All right. And, and this is the crescendo. This is the climax where you start seeing action and it's amazing how you know you went from you know all the mechanics by the cars they're getting them ready and then when it's close to race time you know there's a very synchronized great movement and activity because now they're getting the tire warmers ready the mechanics are you know uh unplugging the different things that are on these cars because they're like spaceships you got you have to get them ready now you saw the the drivers that were you know in their garages they're now getting in their cars putting their visor down lewis is on his scooter rain is not even going to stop his scooter lewis is still on his scooter getting to his vehicle he's just weaving by with his scooter you gotta love it you gotta love it so they now get strapped in their cars that crescendo of activity is is coming and like i said at home we've just been waiting i mean this has never really happened in f1 where we've you know like i said it's been rain there's been rain delays but you've never kind of had to wait all this time uh, for a race to get going. So we saw it. And what was happening was as they were going around, um, different drivers reported different things. Now, a vast majority of the drivers, including Lewis Hamilton, suggested that they didn't th think that the track was getting any better. They still thought it was pretty wet, pretty hard to see, very difficult visibility, because as I mentioned earlier, you have that spray coming on. Now, surprisingly, <laughs> two drivers said something different. Now, Verstappen, I believe at one point was saying, but, he, you know, that it, it was okay. Um, it was kind of doable. But again, keep in mind this big point. Verstappen is at, f at the front. He has the best visibility out of 
everybody because he doesn't have another F1 car in front of him. All he has is that red AMG safety, AMG GT safety car. And he was actually angling his car so that, you know, he doesn't even get the spray from that GT and, and, uh, Checo, the other driver from Red Bull, who's at the very back. Now, remember, I didn't mention this at the beginning on the formation lap, Checo actually went into the barriers. This is on the formation lap and the Red Bull mechanics had to, uh, first off, they had to ask for permission from the FIA to see if he can rejoin the race. Now, you know, that's kind of a debatable thing. Now, I've, I've read certain things where people didn't think that's fair that he can join in. There's other stipulations and regulations that actually allow for him uh, to join. He's going to be at the back of uh, at the back of the grid. But regardless of where you fall in that argument, the FIA did allow that and the mechanics because of this big rain delay, they got his car fully repaired. So you got to give kudos to those Red Bull mechanics. Um, you know, they did the job. So Checo was saying that he wanted to race. Now, you know, you, you got to understand now there's a reason why he's saying that. Of course, he messed up. He, want, he wanted to make up for, for the crash that he had in the formation lap. So those two opinions kind of didn't jive with and didn't get along with most of the drivers reported that, you know, the consensus is it's pretty dangerous out there. So after doing two laps, um, the race was suspended and, you know, the FIA announced that it's not going to resume. All right. So that brings us, you know, to a little bit of I don't want to say controversy, but, you know, kind of the differing opinions that have come out of this because they did the two laps. According to the sporting regulations, what happens is now those two laps that were done under the safety car, um, the race now can be considered an official race. So what that means is you can award with, you know, however order the cars finish. So, for example, Verstappen, of course, started you know, finish where he started first. You have uh, second place, um, which is Russell in the Williams, and you have Hamilton in the Mercedes in third. And then it continues from that point on. So all the guys in the order that they finished, they will be rewarded half the points of half the championship points. That's what happened. Now, again, certain people were not happy with that. Uh, they're there is questioning the motive of, well, if, if the race condition was bad, one, why was there a run made for two laps? And the other thing is, you know, certain comments that came out. So, for example, after the race, Lewis Hamilton made a comment on how bad uh, he feels for the fans and, you know, they should somehow be compensated. Okay. Um, certain teams have also made comments. And from my understanding, what's going on is you got to understand guys, this is unprecedented. This is in the many years of formula one, there's never been a case where an entire race had to be canceled due to weather. And the first thing you have to say is you have to applaud the FIA, you know, safety comes first, you know, all of us wanted to see racing, but 
the one thing the teams cannot control, we cannot control is the weather. I mean, that's the one thing you have no control over and it was not safe to go ahead and race. And so they made the right decision. But now the follow up question to that is so you know, what can be done for the spectators? Now I had a, you know, really nice kind of a healthy discussion, um, in my, with, with my guys and in, in the formula one chat group that we have, um, always nice, you know, on Sundays to bounce different ideas, how we feel about what just happened. Um, but I actually maybe a few moments ago came across news uh, that, it's, it's actually very welcome news. This comes from the general manager for the for this track, for the spa track. He had mentioned how he was, you know, really disappointed for the dedicated fans that were out there. Um, but, you know, he also acknowledged and understood that the FIA did the correct thing, because at the end of the day, the first priorities, we want to protect the drivers. We want them to be safe the conditions out there were not safe. So we took, or they took, I should say the best course of action, which was to cancel the race. But in so doing, he also understands, you know, the frustration you, you, you're, you're a fan who paid uh, to watch a race. You obviously did not get the product that you paid for. And of course the FI is not responsible for that. The drivers are not responsible for that. It's just weather related, but the statement that he just, that I came across, I don't know if he made it maybe today, if it was breaking today or maybe late yesterday evening, but regardless, the statement was he is working with the FIA and the Formula One organization to see what can be done for those fans. And I think that's fantastic to see that because that lets you know, by the way, they didn't have to do this. The The track organizer did not have to do that because Per the regulations, they have satisfied what is considered a race, which was the two laps. But of course, we all understand there wasn't a race. So you didn't receive what you what you went in there to receive. So it's fantastic to see that they are um, sensitive to and they are aware of people's feelings. So there he's going to be working with FOM, which is a form the Formula One organization, the managing organization, and they're going to see what they can do for the fans. So I think that would be fantastic. And another item also that I came across, um, you know, before we go ahead and conclude this uh, podcast, I haven't uh, even had a chance to share it with my guys was another additional comment Lewis Hamilton made, which I thought was fantastic was you know, if there is a break on the calendar down the line, he would not mind coming back to spa for the drivers to come back and give a free show, a free race to, to all the fans that had tickets for this race. And I, I, you know, that's a comment that I had not heard from Lewis Hamilton before. And I think that's a fantastic comment. But the, when he originally made the comment of refunding people their money, my opinion of where I stood on that was, I know that Lewis Hamilton's intentions are always, you know, he comes from a very uh, pure and caring 
um, aspect. Lewis Hamilton is a very big proponent for the fans. Uh, he's he's a guy who's very sensitive to, you know, he may be this very, you know, famous jet-setting F1 driver, but he's always had a knack to be able to relate to the ordinary person. He has, he has a passion that way. And so when he said that, when I really kind of analyzed the comments Sunday and when I was thinking about today, my, my take was, you know, even though it's coming from a pure place, I was saying, you know, you got to be careful when you say that because, you know, the race organizers, they have to pay hundreds and hundreds of people. You know, they they have to pay bills. There are people who their living counts on the track. Um, Formula One is also a business. So my take on that was, you know, you got to be careful if you're Lewis Hamilton when you say give them a refund. Well, I'm like, you know. You you know, I know that the gesture and the idea is coming from a pure point, but be careful in saying that because all those guys, the, the track organizers, Formula One, they have to pay hundreds and hundreds of people. So, you know, unless you're kind of offering something out of your multi-million dollar pound uh, contract, you know, you're, you're not going to come out of your money <laughs> Uh, to refund the spectators, you, you know, my take was you got to be careful in saying just a blanket statement like refund their money. But as I mentioned, the last comment that he made, I think that's a great idea. I agree with that. I, I think it's very difficult for Formula One with the logistics to find a, an actual time they can come back to Spa. But what I think is going to happen is I appreciate the Spa track manager for reaching out to FOM, and I, I hope they can come to some kind of understanding and some um, type of measure that can compensate these brave guys, uh, these brave spectators that have been in that rain, that have been in that in that cold weather. I think they deserve something, whatever that something is. Um, it's great to see that Formula One is actually working to towards that and is sensitive to that. So. That's great to see. But hey, guys, so as always, I really want to thank you for tuning in from wherever part of the globe you're in to episode nine of the midseason review and the rained out historic Belgian GP review. Um, I hope you guys have a great rest of the week. Please continue to support, to listen, to subscribe, uh, give a five star rating to the TF1 podcast. And I look forward to seeing you guys next time. Take care and goodbye.